This is Jeffrey Lickman for Beyond the Legal Limit. It is July 31st. It's a new episode, and uh, I just got back from the Baseball Card National in Chicago, so I'm going to talk a little bit about that during this episode. And this year, for the first time, I actually took my two boys, uh, twin 18-year-old, nearly 19-year-old boys who are not baseball fans or baseball card fans, but for some bizarre reason, they decided they wanted to go and check it out. We arrived on Tuesday, quickly checked into our hotel rooms, and as as typical of me, uh, ran down to the convention center floor, which is actually attached to the hotel. So you never have to actually leave the hotel unless you want to buy food outside of the hotel. There's this long path from the hotel to the convention center that's attached to it, and it's wonderful. I mean, you never even have to see sun or or touch grass when you're looking at cars. You can just be completely unhealthy, gray, nauseated, smelling horrible BO for two or three days without ever seeing light of day. In our cases, though, we did venture out on occasion for lunches we ventured out and also for two steak dinners, although one of my kids is a vegetarian. He may do somehow, but we ended up at Gibson's and Capitol Grill, which are two steak restaurants in the area by the O'Hare Airport in Chicago. And that's basically where we spent uh, a few days. And mostly I was left alone uh, from work, which was just fantastic. I could actually, you know, breathe in breathe in those cards. But before I discuss the national, uh, I kind of had an epiphany when I was there. Surrounded by these baseball cards, buying baseball cards, and being there with my two boys uh, for the first time. And as I said, I, I had relatively quiet days with work. So I actually was able to enjoy myself. I wasn't shaking, terrified that the phone in my pocket was going to vibrate and I'd have to deal with a work emergency. I wasn't there to make money. It was really just an enjoyable thing for me. I'm not there to sell anything. I'm not looking to uh, grift anybody, which is what much of the hobby is. I wasn't tied down to a booth uh, as a vendor, hawking some uh, meaningless, worthless shit that so many people were selling at the National. I was just there walking around, uh, mostly being left alone. But what hit me, and I was hanging out with my boys, What hit me, and I spend a lot of time with them when they're not in school and always have, what hit me was how good my boys are, what good kids they are. They're funny. They're smart. They really just wanted to hang out with me, even though, as I said, they're not into baseball or baseball card. uh, You know, They're not collectors. And that's all that existed at the show was baseball and card collectors. And my boys don't have an interest really in either. So it hit me that they really just wanted to spend time with me. They've never given me a dark day since they were born, pretty much. They're they're straight-A college students. They work hard. They don't ask for much. And I really can't give them enough because they don't ask for anything, really. And when I was at the National, I ran into an old acquaintance who I actually bought a card from a high-grade old judge, Haas Radburn, and SGC5. And, of course, that means nothing to 99.9% of you. But this was an incredibly wealthy man. I don't know if he's a billionaire, but he's pretty close to it, but incredibly down-to-earth. And he collects baseball cards. And we began talking about our collections and how we planned on liquidating them as there are all kinds of tax consequences if you sell your collection 
when you're alive. Because if you're dead, what happens is you pass the collections down to your kids. And what occurs is that each card then gets what's called a stepped-up basis. So when they sell the cards, they won't pay taxes on the difference between what they sell them for and what I paid for the cards. The purchase price, you know, that they're locked into when they determine capital gains, if it goes up, is it just gets stepped up that purchase price to what the cards were worth when they receive them in an inheritance, which means a lot of money and capital gains are saved if you don't sell the cards when you're alive, because I bought a lot of these cards many years ago and I made a ton of money if I sell them. There's a lot of taxes owed. This fellow had mentioned to me, he said he wasn't concerned that his kids would blow. He's going to, he's planning on selling the cards after he passes and he, or he's not going to sell them. I guess his family will pursuant to some trust. He said he wasn't concerned that his kids would blow through the huge amount of money that his collection was worth because they've already got trust funds in place and none of the kids, none of his kids have touched any of the money. And it was remarkable to me. They all have jobs. They all have great careers. They work hard and they make their own money. They're older than my kids, obviously. They're in their 30s, I think is what he said. But he mentioned to me his kids are not entitled. And I thought that that my kids are the same way. They've always worked hard in school. They work hard in college. As I said, they're A students. They're not lazy, entitled kids. They have self-respect. They have pride. They don't drink or do drugs. And look, I did plenty of that when I was in high school and college, and I turned out okay. But it's a different world now. It's more competitive. It's more dangerous. Kids need to be smarter than, than my generation was. And, and this is a strange segue because I began thinking about all of these things as I read about the Hunter Biden debacle. Now you're thinking, well, which debacle is he talking about now? I'm talking about the latest, his plea agreement to tax evasion and a gun charge that wasn't approved by a, a federal judge last week. And as I said, this is just the latest debacle for this 53-year-old son of President Biden, who's an admitted cocaine addict and an alcoholic. As a grown man, he made millions of dollars and didn't file tax returns. This is a grown man whose father was a senator for decades and then vice president and now president. Hunter Biden just didn't file taxes some years as a grown man. He has no real job now, no career. He just strong arms foreign governments and foreign companies using his father's name to make money for the entire family. And this is not in dispute. This is what he sells. He sells influence. It's clear. There's no debating this. He's never created anything in his life. He sells influence and he makes money for the entire family. And that's what he said in his emails and in his texts. No one in the Biden extended family actually works and makes an income. They just keep on grifting money from people who are buying access, or at least they think they are, to Joe Biden. This is how Joe Biden has so many houses. This is how all these Bidens can eat without working. A man in his 50s, Hunter Biden, who was given everything in the world, the most privilege. He had Ivy League uh, school admissions without deserving it. And his daughter also got into UPenn without deserving it. It's just all privilege. They had to earn nothing. And yet with this huge head start, this huge advantage, Hunter Biden couldn't turn it into a real career. He, instead, he's just a, a hopeless addict who, when he's not selling access to his father, he knocked up a stripper. 
He had sex with his dead brother's wife and his dead brother's teenage daughter. Ashley Biden, uh, Joe and Jill Biden's daughter, is also a drug addict and a sex addict. And she wrote in her diary of being hypersexualized by her father. She's been in and out of rehab, just another degenerate low-life kid of Joe and Jill Biden. Another garbage human being in her 40s who can't get her shit together. And I thought about it. Why do some kids turn out really well? And why do some other kids become contemptible, lazy, lowlifes like the Biden children? I've had clients who at age 14 that were accused of murder. I've had other clients who at age 18 were dealing drugs and killing people. And I often wonder, how does this happen? How can this happen to people? Well, a large part of it is how the kids are raised. If you have shitty parents, garbage people for parents, it's sort of like a monkey see, monkey do type of thing. You, you often come out horrible as well if you've got shitty parents. If you have parents who actually engage you, work with you, spend time with you, you have a really good chance at doing well. The more you put into kids, the, kids, the more you get out of them. I mean, that's a fact. It's like taking care of a plant. If you water a plant, you give it food, it, it's healthy, it gets sun, it, it comes out okay. If you don't do anything, it just dies, shrivels up and dies. You neglect it, it dies. Kids take after their parents, as I said, and if they see a good role model, they usually succeed and have self-respect. And Joe Biden's kids are the product of Joe Biden's parenting. It's true. During my last podcast, or one recently, I read an interview that Joe Biden gave in the 70s to a reporter, and all the guy could talk about was money and sexually satisfying his dead wife. And he said this to a reporter. He knew it was going to be public. And of course, the reporter published the quotes, and he sounded like an utter maniac, lowlife imbecile. Well, guess what? 50 years later... His son, Hunter, only cares about money, sex, and drugs. He's another utter maniac, low-life imbecile like Joe Biden. Joe Biden's daughter, Ashley, doesn't have a real job. She's a sex addict and a drug addict, as I said, in her 40s. It's not a coincidence that both kids turned out to be such garbage people. They take after their parents. And it doesn't make a difference if a kid's parents are wealthy. That's not enough. Plenty of wealthy kids are jackasses, lazy clowns. They don't have to turn out to be entitled, narcissistic, lazy losers if you're a rich kid. Some rich kids want to show the world they can succeed regardless of what they have. These are rare kids because it's usually so much more common to take the easy way out. Some kids are special because of the parenting. Some kids will succeed no matter where they start in life because they have self-esteem, which was built through, as I said, having wonderful parents. Even if one parent stinks, it just takes one really strong parent to make a kid wonderful. Parents get divorced. You know, when one parent is out of uh, the children's lives. But sometimes, as I said, it just takes one strong parent. It's enough to make a kid great. And these are really, you know... <laughs> I don't want to throw this word around for no good reason, but these are heroic people. Not scummy lowlifes like Joe Biden who only cared about money and sexing up his wife when he should have been teaching his children to be human beings. As to Hunter's plea deal that didn't go through, it's going to all get fixed. All the so-called legal experts on Twitter 
And online, they all keep saying how the judge was heroic and stopped the sweetheart plea deal. She stopped it temporarily, I assure you. I promise you that it will all be fixed and it will go through. I don't think this judge is going to be strong enough, even though she's a Trump appointee, to say, look, I know that I can sentence him up to a year in jail for his misdemeanor tax cases. I'm going to give him a year. She has never given any indication that she is unhappy with the penalty part of, uh, of the plea deal. Other issues that bothered her. But regardless, it is a stunning plea offer. A guy who doesn't file or pay taxes for two years can evade prison. That's not a huge surprise. I mean, I've had cases like that. Most people, if it's just a year or two, they can evade prison time. I had a famous rapper who didn't file taxes for four years. He ended up getting three months in jail. I was disappointed with that. So I'm not going to say that if a guy doesn't file taxes for a couple of years, now granted, he's got to pay the money back that he owes, but avoiding jail is not a shock. It's also uh, not a big deal for a guy who lied on his firearm application. He didn't mention that he was a junkie when in fact he was Hunter Biden. It's not a big surprise that he would avoid jail for that as well. But the fact that he was purportedly given immunity for any other crime he was being investigated for? That is really stunning. These crimes, including failing to register as a foreign agent as he was selling his father's name, that is a serious crime. And it's made more serious is that he was doing it while his father was vice president and in the years later as Joe Biden contemplated a presidential run. This is the most serious crime, and it deserves indictment and jail time because it's a really bad, dangerous precedent allowing family members of a president of the United States to sell access to foreign companies, to foreign enemy governments. This is not a political issue. This is not a partisan issue. It is a national security issue. And somehow, someway, who are we kidding? We know exactly how and why the Department of Justice, a corrupt partisan body, gave Hunter Biden a full pass on this crime. Why? Not just to help out Joe Biden's idiot son. That's not why they did it. They needed to stop the investigation into Hunter's financial dealings because it clearly leads to the big guy, potato Joe Biden. I'm sitting next to a guy who's going to ruin your life, meaning his father, if you don't give us money. Joe Biden is involved in all of this stuff with his family. You can see the way he handled that idiot granddaughter of his Hunter Biden's daughter Maisie's application to college. He was involved in every little aspect of it. Do you actually think he had nothing to do with all the money that he gets that buys him all those fancy houses and fancy cars? Hunter was willing to plead to two tax misdemeanors. And for that, he gets a pass on much more serious crimes? Usually it pleads to the heavier crime, which in this case is the violation of the Foreign Agents Registration Act, and they give you maybe a pass on the misdemeanor tax stuff. That's what normally happens. Now, keep in mind that the statute of limitations to prosecute this crime is five years. And the reason why Hunter Biden's lawyers wanted immunity for Hunter's failure to register as a foreign agent is because they were afraid Trump or any Republican would win the White House in 2024 and Hunter could still be prosecuted. 
What they're saying is they're admitting that they know that it's all politics, the decision whether or not to charge someone. They're admitting it themselves. Why else would they need immunity? Because they're afraid that a Republican may charge them down the road because they know what they're getting away with by giving Hunter a pass and being politically, uh, being political in their prosecutions of Trump. And they don't even care that anybody knows this. It's open. It couldn't be more obvious, which is insane because this is America where justice is supposed to be blind. <laughs> Just like Maisie's college application. That's supposed to be reviewed blindly as well without the hint of privilege and the push that Maisie Biden's idiotic application got. Instead, we learn from Hunter's emails that Joe Biden put his foot down on the throat of the University of Pennsylvania's president and, and, and got his moronic grandchild in. And, he, and she got privilege. She got access that no other college applicant gets. Direct access to the university president pushing the admission. How is that the, it that not one reporter asked Joe Biden about this when he was complaining about the Supreme Court's ending of affirmative action? His whole family is affirmative action for idiots. And we also learned from Democrat whistleblowers, not Republicans, Democrats, that Joe Biden's Department of Justice did all it could to stop the investigation and criminal charging of Hunter Biden on the Foreign Agents Registration Act charge because it was going to lead to joe biden now during the court appearance when, when the hunter biden plea deal was rejected at one point the judge asked the parties if the immunity conferred to hunter pursuant to the agreement included all crimes or just the drug and and firearm charges and i guess tax charges that he'd been investigated for she specifically asked if the immunity agreement covered violations of the foreign agents registration act incredibly the government said no it didn't cover that he could still be charged and the defense lawyer said yes the plea deal covered any violation of this act how could it possibly be that the two sides didn't agree on this before the guilty plea was set to take place how could it possibly be that the two sides didn't have this spelled out in the written plea agreement that disagreement caused hunter's defense counsel to say in court that the plea agreement was quote null and void he flipped out like he had some kind of leverage in the situation when in fact if the prosecutors weren't crooked they would have all, they would have had all the leverage, not the defendant who's guilty. What kind of fucking leverage does he have? He has the, the balls, his lawyer, to say null and void? Fine, then go to trial on everything and see what happens if you don't have a crooked Department of Justice. You go to jail. Instead, Hunter Biden's defense lawyer is acting like he's doing the government a big favor by taking his sweetheart plea and avoiding jail time for really egregious, nearly treasonous criminal acts. After a brief recess, uh, the defense lawyer and the prosecutors discussed this seeming impasse. Hunter's defense lawyer came back in and said to the judge that he agreed and he agreed with the, with the government's position that any immunity of Hunter Biden would only include tax, firearm, and drug-related conduct that was investigated by the government. Why did he suddenly do this reverse, giving up the possibility that Hunter could be prosecuted for uh, his violation of the Foreign Agents Registration Act for selling his family's name and access to potato Joe Biden? 
I'll tell you why. There's only one answer. There's only one. Because clearly the prosecutors told them, of course we're not charging him with any violation of the Foreign Agents Registration Act. Stop making a big deal about this. And then suddenly he walked back in and said, okay, it's not a problem. The defense lawyer, not a problem. We don't need immunity for that. Joe Biden says nothing about any of this other than, I'm so very proud of my son. What the fuck is he proud of? Hunter has never held a real job. He's 53 years old. Hunter Biden is a crack addict. He's a sex addict. He had sex with his dead brother's wife and his dead brother's daughter. He wasted a Yale law degree that was gifted to him. He sells access to his father to foreign companies aligned with enemy foreign governments. He knocked up a stripper and denied paternity. He paid another stripper to stick a dildo up his ass. Tell me one thing there is to be proud of of this guy. Tell me a single thing that anyone could be proud of Hunter Biden for. One single thing. Joe Biden is proud of him. Are you fucking kidding me? Proud? I'd hang myself if that was my kid. As for Trump, he has new charges against him in the the federal Florida classified documents case. These charges center around the allegation that Trump asked an employee, and it's all on email and text, asked an employee of his Mar-a-Lago club to delete security camera footage sought by investigators that were probing his handling of classified documents. He didn't want the government to see the boxes getting moved around. It looks horrible. Trump sounds like a mafia boss, not a president. Just utter moronic stupidity. You'd think he was trying to cover up a heist, a crime, a murder. No, he just didn't want the feds looking into his beautiful mind boxes. It's so utterly typical of Trump creating a disaster for no reason at all as he was gaining nothing by this criminal behavior. Now, of course, he's charged under the Espionage Act because he also withheld the attack plan on Iran. (laughs) To him, it was just a trophy. He's such an idiot. Unlike Hunter Biden and Joe Biden, he wasn't selling shit to the enemy. But notice how the special counsel charges Trump with any crime that possibly can exist against him. Same thing in New York. Any crime. Georgia as well, it's soon going to be. Whatever they can charge him with, they do charge him with. Joe Biden, Hunter Biden, every effort is made by this Biden Department of Justice to obfuscate, bury, ignore criminal activity by Joe Biden and his crooked, degenerate crime family. As bad as Trump is, and he is bad, Biden is worse because Biden's getting away with it. And and Trump, I mean, look, don't think for a second that I'm giving Trump a pass here. He's such a lowlife that he's trolling for campaign donations on the false claim that he's fighting the 2020 election loss that was stolen from him. Only 4.6% of the $280 million in donations to Trump's election defense fund went to legal challenges for the 2020 election. The rest for Trump's personal legal expenses and for expenses of people around him. Why do they call it an election defense fund when all the money is going to go to criminal defense lawyers for Trump not to challenge the 2020 election? Because Trump knows full well that no one will give him money for his criminal lawyers if he tells them the truth as to where the money's going. 
Most human beings pay for their own lawyers. Trump is not a human being. His political action committee has spent $40 million on legal fees this year alone. It's July, and it's for himself and for his advisors. They only raised $53 million in donations in 2023. It's all going into Trump's pocket to pay for legal fees. Let me repeat. His Save America Political Action Committee spends the great majority of its money on Trump and his co-conspirators' legal fees. Naturally, Trump, he's a multi-billionaire, is too cheap to pay a dime out of his own pocket for legal fees caused by his own behavior. $40 million, the guy's worth, what, 2 or $3 billion? What's $40 million? That's like a 1000 bucks to me and you. Naturally, Trump's donors are all way less wealthy than him. They're giving him this money under false pretenses, and they're simply too stupid to know better. Typical Trump voter is just a a sucker paying for Trump's personal expenses, handing him money to give to criminal attorneys. Everyone knows that Trump is stealing money from these idiotic donors to fund his various criminal defenses. There's so many of them now. Trump raised $100 million in the week after he lost the 2020 election, all by claiming Democrats stole the race. But in the January 6th Congressional Committee depositions, under oath, penalties of perjury if you lie, all of his aides felt that he lost the race, except Rudy Giuliani. And it was reported by Trump's aides that he was drunk that night, saying that Trump won the election. Well, now... Rudy Giuliani has admitted that when he slandered two election officials in Georgia, that it was false what he said about them. Everyone knew that Trump lost around them, but still allowed him to lie to his supporters and fleece them, claiming that he had actually won and stole $100 off of them in a week. This is a billionaire stealing money from regular folks. People are sending money to Trump to, quote, fight the steal, but do they know they're paying for his advisor Jason Miller's court transcripts in a family law case in Miami? His Save America PAC is paying those bills for court transcripts for Jason Miller. Some MAGA moron who lives in a trailer is paying for Jason Miller to fight child support payments. And it gets worse because Trump is not raising enough money now to pay down his debts. Now Trump and his pillow coupon code moron grifting lackeys are calling on all Republican challengers to drop out of the primary race and give all their raised campaign funds to Trump so that he can, and I'm quoting, this is what the grifter says, finance the largest ballot harvesting operation the world has ever seen. A little too late, dumb fuck. Trump hasn't spent a dollar yet on ballot harvesting, not a dollar, but he wants the other candidates to pay for it? I can promise you that this is just more lies from Trump and his low IQ pillow grifters. These grifters are lying to millions of followers, their followers on social media, to steal money for Trump, and you know they're getting their beaks wet as well. You can't expect the MAGA grifters to work a real job, can you? As for the lie that Trump wants, that Trump wants all the other candidates' campaign money to use for a ballot harvesting operation, keep in mind that just recently, until recently, Trump, a few months ago, was against ballot harvesting and claimed that it led to fraud. 
He used that as a reason that he lost in 2020. Now, because he's an utter moron who uses grifters to steal money from his supporters, Trump will claim he's going to do ballot harvesting. He will do no ballot harvesting. It's too late. He will steal the money to use for lawyers because that's all he's raising money for anyway. That's the only reason he's running for president is to raise money to put in his pockets and to pardon himself if he's convicted. He's got no new ideas. Have you heard a single new idea from this guy? I'm going to drain the swamp. Hey, asshole, you filled the swamp. You're the one that hired all these shitty people and didn't fire them. You're the one that let Fauci take over the country. You're the one that had all of your aides wear masks in rooms by themselves. God forbid Trump stick his alligator, sticks his alligator arms into those deep pockets to pay for his own lawyers. Those arms, they don't reach. They don't reach into his pockets. Better that morons like you pay his way. Better that morons like you do his bidding and go to the Capitol on January 6th and take back the country and then get put in jail while Trump pardons rappers and leftists instead. Yeah, yeah, he wants to fund a, a ballot harvesting operation, but he wouldn't raise money to help Republican candidates win midterm elections. We lost the Senate. How many times do you have to be fooled by this guy? Do you need to wait until he loses in 2024, loses the House and Senate too, or then you end up getting Gavin Newsom as president? Because Joe Biden's 100 years old. He's even older than Trump, if that's possible. And Gavin Newsom turns uh, America into San Francisco. People pooping on the street. And we have two elderly conservative Supreme Court justices. Clarence Thomas and Sam Alito, they're 75 and 73 years old now. They're going to be replaced by leftist freaks when Gavin Newsom becomes president. Or Kamala Harris. Maybe we'll get the first trans Supreme Court justice and our country is gone forever. This is what Trump promises to do. Destroy it all. Burn it down because he needs money. You're dumb if you're still supporting him. But are you really that dumb? Do you think any of his grifting MAGA co-conspirators actually think Trump can win? Where the fuck's he going to get these votes from? Who's going to vote for him now that didn't vote for him then? Of course they don't think he's going to win, but they need to steal to eat. So they'll keep the charade going. And when he loses in 2024, they'll say it was stolen again and continue to steal, I mean raise money, to fight that baseless claim too. Even though they say they're great patriots. I'm a great patriot. You're a great patriot. We're all great patriots. You can't possibly think it's anything but money, but about money for them. And in case you think Trump can win, in case you are so stupid that you think Trump can win, we have 15 months until the election. He's got to turn a massive amount of independence his way. He's got to turn a massive amount of Republicans who are rejecting him now his way. How's he going to do that? His numbers are so low. His favorability numbers with, with independents are so low. During that 15-month period run-up until the election, Trump will have a civil fraud case a trial in October in New York. It's against himself, his kids, and the Trump organization for inflating the value of his properties in order to swindle lenders. Then he's got a defamation trial in January of 2024 brought by E. Jean Carroll. 
Then he's got a civil fraud trial two weeks later in New York in late January 2024 on allegations that he promoted a pyramid scheme investment. Then in March of 2024, a couple months later, a criminal trial in New York for falsifying business records in connection with a hush money payment. Then in May of 2024, a federal criminal trial in Florida in the classified document slash obstruction of justice case. That's going to take us into June of 24 with the election in November. Keep in mind that Trump is about to be indicted in D.C. for his actions that led up to the riot on January 6th at the Capitol. And he's going to surely be indicted in Georgia for his efforts to interfere with the Georgia presidential vote of 2020. And all the bad publicity that's going to come with those additional cases, (laughs) those are, in my mind, what he did in Georgia was worse than anything else. I mean, he's getting people to lie to try to overturn the election result. He did the same thing in Michigan as well, and people got indicted for it because they followed Trump. This is what's going to happen in the lead-up to the vote. I mean, keeping classified documents is dumb, but as I said, trying to get electors to lie in order to steal the vote, that's like, you know, we're getting close to treason there. Regardless. He has such a busy court schedule. I'm sure he'll have lots of time to create domestic and foreign policy platforms to convince all the people who didn't vote for him in 2020 to vote for him now. Spoiler alert. It's 100% guaranteed that he's losing in 2024. It's not even a question. 100%. We want an 80-year-old, dumb, low-life, grifting scumbag with multiple criminal indictments and upcoming criminal trials to be our president? He said that he's willing to run even if he's in jail. What are we, Palestinians? Are we Venezuela? Maybe we should get somebody younger with no baggage. Can you be that stupid and still support the guy? Can you? Look in the mirror. Yeah, you're stupid. At least Trump was smart enough to fire his former moronic attorney that, uh, uh, what the hell is her name? Uh, Alina Habadabadu. Uh, she was fired not only from the upcoming fraud case that's going to be in New York City this fall, but he also fired her uh, from the E. Jean Carroll sexual assault and defamation trials. She's now his, quote, legal spokesperson, except she understands no law and loses everything she does for him and gets sanctioned a million bucks for being so impossibly dishonest and stupid. Who knew? Really, who knew that some Jersey girl with fake cans and a law degree from one of the worst law schools in the country would be an imbecile? Apparently, everybody on the planet knew that except for one guy, Donald Trump. Donald J. Trump. Shit. Now, I'm going to... You can take a break here if you want. Just put me on pause, all right? I'm I'm a little bit... I'm, I'm foaming at the mouth, practically. Take a little break here. I'll be back in a second. Jeffrey Lickman for Beyond the Legal Limit. And I'm back. Jeffrey Lickman for Beyond the Legal Limit. i got to talk about the baseball card national show in Chicago briefly, very briefly. Naturally, uh, the first question my boys asked me while we walked around the baseball card show is, and it's the number one question that anybody asks their first time, why is everyone so fat? Well, I'm going to tell you why, because people who collect baseball cards as an obsession are more obsessed with baseball cards than eating right, exercising, personal hygiene. 
all that matters to them is the cardboard. So I found um, that I did the national differently this year. Instead of meticulously plodding along every single row to see every single booth with uh, my boys in tow, I just found it really helpful to go to the handful of tables, the dealers that I knew had the cards that I might be interested in. That was mostly what I did. And I went there, hung out. I did all of my buys from these dealers this summer. And did I walk down most of the aisles and look for cards out of the corners of my eyes? Absolutely. Because I can walk down an aisle with card tables on both sides and out of the corners of my eyes, I can spot the cards that I want. That's, you know, that's a, a truism because I know in my brain somehow what the cards look like that I'm looking for. And I can, they, they stick out like a sore thumb when I'm looking at a massive card, a table of cards. It's really true. But what was uh, changing for me at the Nationals is that there are just so many more new startup grifting companies than ever. Less cards, more meaningless services to take money from you, the card collector. There's like three main grading companies for cards, yet there's got to be at least five other fly-by-night grading companies present at the National. Why would anybody use them knowing that the, the resale value of any cards in those holders are virtually non-existent? If I'm seeing a card that someone wants to sell me in one of these lame grading company holders, I'm thinking, well, the card must be altered or trimmed. Why wouldn't they go to the, one of the big companies to get it graded? It's a fair conclusion. You got to be crazy to buy a card uh, in one of these holders. Now, I couldn't count the number of companies that set up tables, set up booths for services that were utterly meaningless to people who collect cards. I mean, you're dealing with Neanderthal-level thinking, and you believe someone who's wearing mustard on his shirt all day cares about your cutting-edge technology? And there's also so many auction houses taking up so much space. And while I enjoy looking at the cards that the auction houses are going to be auctioning off because so many auction houses, they juice their scans to make the cards look better in the catalogs and online. So it helps to actually see them in person. It's helpful. Um, but I'd rather look at cards that I can actually buy when I'm at the show. Now, I ran into uh, a fellow I went to high school with who was a huge card collector then and now. We did not hang out in, in similar groups back then, and I don't think I really appreciated how into cards he was back then, or maybe I wasn't as much back then into it because he told me that when he was graduating high school, he went to the first his first baseball card national show that summer, which is pretty amazing. That was the summer of uh, 83, and I didn't go to my first national baseball card show until 2006, I believe. So I probably have more in common with him than uh, almost 99% or more of my Jersey high school class. He actually listens to my podcast, so I have to say nice things about him. And But he did make sure to remind me that he is one of those collectors who spends hours pouring through the dollar box card, searching for that elusive $1 treasure. The prices for cards uh, being sold at the National are nearly all overpriced. I understand that dealers need to spend money on flights, on hotel rooms, the cost of setting up a table. So the prices should be higher than normal retail prices, but these prices were just beyond belief. I mean, sometimes you see a card that you might be interested in, just the price is so far off that, you know, there's just no chance you're going to talk any sense into uh, the dealer, and that card will be there in two or three years anyway, not being sold. Now, I ran into a client who is the only baseball card client I've ever had who went to prison. 
I've represented dozens and dozens of people accused or investigated for fraud. Uh, no one went to prison, but this one fellow, he went did, uh, did three months in jail on a fraud case a few years back. He's always so happy to see me, and I see him every year at the National, and it was, it, it was happy for me to see him. It always is because he's a client who appreciates the work I did for him. For the most part, clients love you until something goes wrong, and then they blame you instead of ever taking any responsibility for what they did. It's never their fault. To find a client who is appreciative is a big deal. I ran into another client who I just settled a civil dispute with an auction house for. She was ripped off for like six figures by someone who took her cards for a consignment for the auction house and then just stole many of the cards himself. This is the hobby that I'm in. She was happy to see me as well, and she ended up with a great settlement, so that worked out well. For whatever reason, probably because I understand the hobby so well, every intricacy, all of my hobby-related cases end up in success. I've been very lucky in that field. I also got to meet an 18-year-old kid who I did a podcast on cards with recently, and the kid is completely obsessed with cards and his enthusiasm. To me, is infectious. I mean, it's, it was nice to see. I mean, I was used – I'm still in, I'm still very enthusiastic, but this kid's like hardcore about it. And it was, it was great for me not only to meet him but to introduce one of my sons who was with me at the time. They're roughly the same age. It made me feel good to show my own boy that you see other kids your age are crazy for baseball cards like I am. It's not just me. I think I felt a little less snarky this year. I mean, you can, you've heard my rants about baseball card shows. I, I think I'm a little less snarky this year because my sons went with me for the first time to the show. And one of them actually showed some interest in the cards and walked the floor with me for a while while the other one was doing homework in his room taking summer classes. My boy did some research on cards without me pestering him, tried to learn a bit about them, and and even joined a vintage baseball card online forum to learn a bit. I'm still shocked by this, but encouraged because you can't push this kind of stuff on people. They either decide on their own or they don't if they're into it. You can't force passion on people, even your kids. But the learning curve is extreme, especially if you aren't a baseball fan. And there's just so much information in my brain when it comes to these collectibles. I know every single fraud that's been done, although I've still nearly been defrauded recently, I can't imagine coming into this hobby new today and figuring it all out quickly, but you can do it. There's just a lot of bad people trying to take money from you in every kind of unscrupulous way possible, legal and illegal. What I find with kids is just because you're interested in something doesn't mean they will be your kids. You can't have clones of yourselves of yourself and your children. They need to figure out what they're interested in and when they're interested in it. You just can't focus on the stuff that is different between you and your kids because you'll drive yourself crazy. You need to focus on the stuff that is similar between you and your kids, assuming that there's some. You can't really change their minds by force as much as I'd like to sometimes because kids are stubborn. And they sometimes are contrarians and they want to do the opposite. What I do know is that I trust my kids. Uh, they're loyal to me and I'm loyal to them. And as I said earlier, the more you put into your kids, the more you get out. Children recognize it when you're genuinely interested in them, not just treating parenting as a job or an obligation. Like I think I had when I was a kid. And, and for those reasons, nothing and no one comes ahead of my kids to me because it's not just blood because there's plenty of blood relatives you have that you just fucking hate. 
And when you get older, you realize I don't need them in my life. But it's not just the blood connection. It's There's a loyalty connection that's, that's never breached with certain relatives and, and I suppose friends as well. And when you find those people, nothing, nothing comes before them. That's how I feel. It's a connection that's built on me with my kids, caring about what they're into, caring about them succeeding. I want them to succeed more than I ever will. Then I'll be a successful parent. Sacrificing for them, not just handing them money, giving them my time, not just writing a check, going bowling with them weekend after weekend when they were younger and laughing at them when they'd bowl a nine, going to movies with them and taking all their friends because I just wanted to hang out with them. That was why. I had never had any obligation. I never did a single thing as a parent that was an obligation. It was always because I was enthusiastic. And when they surprise you with being interested in something that you're interested in, well, it's not out of loyalty or obligation. That's the best feeling ever. and makes me think I'm doing something right as a parent. And I'm already looking forward to next year's card show. It's in Cleveland, really a disgusting area, but it is what it is. And I expect my boys may want to come with me again next year, and I hope that they do. Jeffrey Lickman for Beyond the Legal Limit. You can find me at uh, beyondthelegallimit.com. You can find the podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio. Email me. I love the emails I get from people. I've gotten some really interesting ones, and as you know, I respond.